Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to me, too. Thank you very much for saying that. It's good to see you guys as we close out the year. Thank you for, for choosing to, to join us today as we end the year together. Uh, we're going to do that in a special way this morning. We're going to do that with reflection and renewal. So this will be a little bit different kind of service for us. It won't be just typical uh, preaching for 30 to 40 minutes. And so we're going to involve you a little bit in this. We have the kids in the service. And so parents, this is a great time to involve them uh, in reflecting and to teach them this practice early on in life. And uh, we're going to do that in our time together this morning, but we also want to equip you to reflect and be renewed as you leave this place, right? And so we gave you a couple things that I want to point out to you as you walked in the door, and uh, you can grab them now. You should receive two handouts. Uh, one of them looks like this. It's two pages stapled together, and it has four categories, spiritual, relational, personal, and work to walk through. Uh, and this is to help you as you reflect on 2017, and as you look forward to 2018, it's to help you have a grid to look through. Uh, some of us, we, we have no idea how to reflect. We have no idea how to plan and pray and dream for the future. We just stumble around in life, right? Things happen to us that are good, and we're uplifted. Things happen to us that are bad, and we take a step back. But reflection and renewal and planning and praying, it helps you persevere no matter what your circumstances are. It helps set a direction in your life. And that's what we want as we go into a new year, is a direction, a, a God-oriented direction in our life. And so this handout just simply can help you walk through these categories in your life and guide you through a time to do that. And so I know my wife and I, we use this actual handout. Uh, and so we, we get together, and some of it's really spiritual. Uh, some of it's a lot of a prayer and dreaming and thinking through our our work lives and our, our personal lives, our spiritual lives, and thinking, God, what do you want to do this year? What did you do this last year? How have we grown? What have we learned from as we move into the new year? And some of it, though, is, is just really practical. Uh, like we get out the school calendar, the church calendar, my preaching calendar, and we mesh them all together, and we establish some rhythms in our life for this next year. We try to set a direction practically and spiritually for the new year. And so I would encourage you to take this with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, whoever you do life with, to take this tool and to spend a few moments, even today or this week, in setting a direction for your life as we go into the new year. That's one thing. Now, the second thing, another handout I want you to grab looks like this. It's our year-end recap. Do you guys get this? Two of you. Okay. Yes, a lot more of you. You're just being hesitant. Thank you. Uh, a lot of you guys got this then. Uh, all of you who get our emails on Church Community Builder should have gotten this on Friday, and it's in color. And so go back and look at that email if you want color and vibrancy in your life. But this black and white version has the same information, uh, and so you can look at that and just see a high-level view. It's not everything God did. A high-level view of what God did in our church. And so you th see things like next steps and community and PBC Kids and worship and PBCPM and missions, attendance, even giving is on there. You can see our, our monthly average for giving from internal PBC giving as well as external outside giving. You can see the total monthly average. You can see all those numbers. And the reality is some of you love that. Some of you geek out on that. Some of you have been asking for this. We've never provided this before in the three years of our church. And some of you are like, Tim, can we see a report of the year? Some of you love this kind of stuff. Some of you are like, no, I, it's just numbers on a page. Like, what does that matter? Well, the reality is, whatever side of the spectrum you are on, all of these numbers represent stories of the love of Jesus Christ moving in and through lives in our church. And so take a look at this. Celebrate with us God's faithfulness 
in 2017. Again, as we reflect collectively as a church, we don't want to forget, right? As, as we put these together, there were so many things I, I, I forgot. I just forgot some of the things we have done as a church, forgot some of the ways God has provided as a church, and, and we don't want to forget. Ron just read that, lest we forget. And so we need to remember as a church, as we look forward to 2018, we want to look back as well. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Those are two tools for you to take with you. Uh, this morning, we are going to, before we look forward to 2018, before we say bye 2017, I didn't really like you anyway, you know, all the comments you see on, on Facebook, we want to look back at 2017. And some of us, we don't like to look back, right? Uh, because we would rather just suppress things and move forward, right? Especially the things that we don't like to look back on. Do you feel this way sometimes? I mean, some of you, maybe you are saying, like, 2017, I'm ready for you to end. I'm ready for a, a new chapter in my life, in our family's life, in our government's life. I mean, in our church, whatever the case may be for you. And some of you are ready to close that book. But, but it's, it's healthy, it's helpful, and we see it in God's word, to reflect, to look back, even when it's, when it's difficult, right? I think about yesterday, my family and I went for a hike on, on North Mountain in, in Phoenix. And we got to the top or kind of the top, because we had three kids, uh, we did the best we could, right? We got high up, and at the top, what did we do? We looked around. All right, my son began to point out, hey, there's other mountains over there. Hey, there's tennis courts. Somebody's got tennis courts in their backyard. Daddy, why don't we have that? And we began to look around, and we began to look down, right where we just hiked from. And so we began to see the trails that we hiked. Right, we began to see the intersections, some trails we, we didn't hike. And, and what do you get when you, when you do that? You get clarity, right? You begin to see clearly what you couldn't while you were in the midst of that trail. You begin to see in full what you earlier saw in part, and you're like, oh, look at those little people walking around. And there's just a, a special, clear-eye view that you can have as you're at the top, as you look around, as you look down. Now, imagine if we didn't do that. And imagine if we hiked to the top and then we just hiked right back down. I mean, some of you who hike are just thinking, why would you even hike? I mean, the glory, the, the whole point is getting up at the top and then looking around and looking down, right? But how many times do we do that in life, right? That every day, for some of us, every year, we go from place to place, task to task, struggle to struggle, victory to victory, and we go up and we go right back down, never stopping to look around or to look down and see the bigger picture and see the clear eye view of, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't notice that before. Oh, wow, it kind of makes more sense. I can see it in full now. I can only see it in part then, that relationship, that conflict, that victory in my life, and that reflection happens, and we can see more, more clearly. I know for me, in my, in my vocation, which is a pastor and a preacher, uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, every week as I get ready to preach, just like I'm doing to you right now, I write out my sermon. I write it out completely. And so sometimes it's four pages, sometimes it's seven pages, you know, just whatever God's grace uh, gives you maybe in that, in that moment. And I write it out, and then I highlight things, and I go off uh, memory. And, and anyway, I don't want to bore you all that stuff. But... Um, but every week it's coming, right? Sunday's coming, right? And it's a big deal as I preach, and I enjoy it, but it's a difficult task. And so every week there's times in the week where I'm invited to a party, 
or I'm invited to hang out with someone, or my wife is like, hey, let's just take the kids for a walk, and there's sometimes, usually later in the week, when I know I have to, to re- finish this up and get this done, and I'll say, no, I can't, I gotta, I gotta work on the sermon. Or I'll think about during the week, I'll just kind of feel uh, not, not so great, and I'll think, I should go work out. I should go exercise, I should go for a walk, and I'll think, no, I, I gotta work on the sermon, and so I'll, I'll get back in the study and get back in the commentaries and the outlines and all the things that I've been working on during the week, and I'll think, I gotta get in front of this computer and I gotta work on the sermon, and you know what always happens, and I still haven't fully learned this because I'm a little slow, but what always happens is when I go on that walk, when I go do that exercise, when I go hang out with that person, when I go to that party, I get some clarity. Why? Because I, I move the books out of the way, I move the computer out of my face, and I begin to reflect a little bit, right? And I begin to get clarity and see a clear eye view, and what I could only see in part before, now I see in full, and that's where the clarity and the creativity comes. Right? Many of you can relate to this in your own profession. It's, it's when you get away to reflect, even if it's with other people, is when you reflect, that's when you get clarity and creativity that you wouldn't get any other way. That what you think you don't have time for, what you think is a distraction, is actually reflection that produces something. Can you relate to this? And, And so I think we all know this. So why don't we reflect? Why don't we stop to look around or look down? I think there's a lot of reasons, but I'm gonna give you three. Uh, The first reason I think is distraction. Distraction. You know, the last 10 years, Technology has, has grown in an amazing way, and some of it's amazing. Right? Some of it's helped us. Even as a church, we get sermons out through a podcast. Right? We do Facebook Live, and so you can literally watch what's going on in this room live on Facebook if you're not here, right? And so technology is helpful in a lot of ways, even as a church and even spiritually, but some of the negatives of technology is it's removed reflection. I mean, just think about 10 years ago, what'd you do at a stoplight? You waited. You were alone with your thoughts. Think about 10 years ago, what did you do at night before you went to bed? Laying in bed. You were alone with your thoughts, right? You you just, you thought about things. Now what do we do at night before we go to bed? Candy crush. For some of you, thank you for that confession. Let's get it all out there, right? Don't suppress it. Bring it to the surface. Candy Crush, we scroll. We, we're looking at the latest news. We're, we have technology around us all the time. And so instead of reflection, we get distraction. And we're robbed of that clarity, of that creativity, of that clear eye view of God. What are you teaching me? What did you do today? What, what, what was really behind that conversation that was amazing today? Like, why did that happen? What was really behind that conflict that was so difficult? Why did that happen? And we just, we go to bed, our feet hit the floor in the morning, we go from year to year, task to task, and we never reflect because of distraction. And we miss out on the clarity that God wants to give us. The second reason I think we, we miss out on reflection is misconception. Right? Many of us, when we think of journaling, reflecting, we picture Dear diary, right? I mean, many of you men, you're like, you've been thinking about journaling. You're like, I'm not going to do that, right? Like, I don't want a diary. I'm a man. 
Even for you ladies, you're like, I, I don't know if I, I have time to sit down and just do nothing. Like, life is, is busy, and we think of, of, of reflecting in that way. Some of us think of reflecting like Castaway and Tom Hanks. Right? And we just like, I just need my island. I mean, yeah, I love to reflect, but if I could just get my island, like, away from school, away from the kids, the kids. If I could just go to Montana and fly fish, then I could reflect and wear a flannel shirt and grow up my beard. And, and you think of reflection that way, and until that one glorious day happens, I'm not going to reflect. I need the appropriate environment to reflect, right? And, and I think for a lot of us, we miss out on reflection because of misconception. You see, the reality is journaling, reflection. Th- this isn't some magical moment. I mean, I hope you have those times. I hope you have those times in the woods or by a lake and you can sit down and you can really quiet your soul and think. But the reality is you're not going to do that every single day. But you can stop for a few minutes in the morning and the evening and you can reflect. You can put away the technology. You can grab a journal. You can write some things down. You can ask. One thing I do sometimes is just ask in the morning, how do I feel right now? And I'll ask that question. I'll just write down whatever I feel. Some of it's good. Some of it's not so good. But I just try to pour that out a little bit. I don't don't do this perfectly, but but I try to do that. And see, some of us have this misconception. Unless we get this magical moment that it'll never happen. And you need to know it can happen in the daily outworking of life. But we need to see it appropriately. The third reason I think some of us don't reflect is because we see reflection with no direction. Some of us in here are good at reflecting, right? We reflect all the time. There's just no intentionality behind it. There's no direction. And so some of you get alone with your thoughts and and you start thinking about all the doubts and all the things that are false and lies from the enemy. You're reflecting, but you're reflecting with the enemy, You're spending some quiet time with your soul, but you're doing that only in your flesh. And so when you get alone, you start to think about all the doubts and all the things that aren't even really true, and you begin to blow them up in your mind, and you reflect constantly just without direction. And some of you are reflecting with the enemy. And I think some of us know this just in lighter ways, maybe with your spouse or a friend, and you you see a picture or a memory on Facebook, and you're like, oh, remember when we went to that place? And your wife's like, oh, yeah, that was so fun. I mean, we got the kids, those Mickey Mouses, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was so fun. Disney, like, I love Disney every year. And then you as a husband, you're like, yeah, but we had to wait in those lines for like 45 minutes. Remember that? Remember when the kid vomited? Yeah, I remember that. I mean, I don't want to do that again. I, I don't... And some of us, some of us are just prone to reflection without direction. And we begin to think about all the negatives and all the sin, sickness, and strife only as we reflect. And so we're doing a lot of reflecting just in our flesh, just with the enemy. I heard somebody say recently, a Christian comedian actually said this. Is he said, you know, we need to do a lot more rebuking. Like how many times have you rebuked somebody recently? And I was listening to that. I was thinking, oh, that's a little harsh. Like, I don't know that that's what I would think as we approach the new year. You know what we need more of? Rebuke, right? But, but what he was saying is you need to rebuke Satan multiple times in a day because you're listening to his accusations and lies every single day. Like how many times are we just drifting off in thought and you start to think all these, these thoughts of sin 
that you want to do and you start to rationalize it of, of doubts, of, of misconceptions of your past start to well up within you. And you need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus and begin to reflect with some intentionality and direction with Jesus. And so I'm going to help you do that today. We're going to do that together in our few moments together this morning. We're going to do it from the book of Deuteronomy. That's in your Old Testament. Ron read from it just a little bit ago. This is the story of the Israelites. As we show up in Deuteronomy, they have come through a long and difficult journey from Egypt, from slavery. And and God has set them free through a guy named Moses who led them. And as we show up in Deuteronomy, if you've read the book of Exodus, that's primarily where we see all the stuff we see in the movies, right? The book of Exodus is where God parts the Red Sea, and you see Pharaoh and all the plagues, and it's a lot of action mixed with some law. You have the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Deuteronomy is a little bit different. Deuteronomy, they have uh, come through this journey. They're on the threshold of the promised land where God is leading them, and before they go in, Moses, their leader, is going to speak to them. It's really much like this. It's a series of sermons in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Literally, the word Deuteronomy means second law. And so where you see Exodus is more action, Deuteronomy is is sermons. It's a collection of of preaching, of teaching by Moses. And so 4.9, chapter 4, verse 9, that we read just a bit ago, it says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget. You see, as I look through Deuteronomy, we could have looked at a lot of places in Scripture on reflection and remembering. But as I looked through Deuteronomy, I saw all these places, as Moses preaches, the second law, all these places where remembering comes up constantly. We're not even going to get to them all. But it happens all the time in Deuteronomy. So we're going to look at a few of those, and I want us to reflect together. So we're going to just look at three truths that we need to remember, three ways we need to remember personally, as a family, as a church, and we're going to actually take some time to do that now. In our time together with our kids, we're going to help the kids do this as well. So here's the first thing we want to remember that they remembered in Deuteronomy. We want to remember that we were once slaves. The Israelites remembered this because they were literally slaves. You see it in chapter 24. They're called to remember this. Chapter 24 of Deuteronomy, it says, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt And the Lord God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. He commands them to remember. You see it again in verse 22 of of chapter 24. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Why repeat it? Because remembering is really important. And why does he want them to remember they were slaves? That's a hardship in their life. They had been slaves for years and years and years. If you know the story, their, their ancestors had been slaves. This is part of their family lineage. Why does God, why does Moses want them to remember that they were slaves? Well, you see, before we can look forward, we need to look back. Before we just celebrate what, what we're saved to, we need to see what we're saved from. To realize the gravity, the weight, the joy of what we're saved to. And so it's the same thing for the Israelites. As they're about to go in the promised land, They needed to be reminded what they used to be, where they used to live, what they used to do, what used to enslave them. And it's the same thing for us. Some of you are in here and you don't know Jesus and you haven't been saved to anything yet. And we're glad that you're here. We'd love for you to meet Jesus and be saved from your sin and from your slavery to sin and to Jesus. But but a lot of you, you, you've been saved. You've been a Christian for a long time. And some of you have forgotten 
what it was like to be enslaved, have forgotten what it was like to, to, to just be able to sin and have no strength beyond that to resist. Some of us have forgotten. Some of us have tried to block things out, not even just sin, but the hardships in our lives. Over the last year, you're trying to suppress those things and keep those things down. And you just think, well, if I can just get some fireworks, yeah, that'll, that'll be good. If we can just get some champagne tonight and toast for the new year and say, bye, 2017, 2018, bring it on, that it'll all be better. And you need to know that that's not helpful or healthy for you. That's not what God wants for you. God commands them to remember they were slaves. You see, here's the reality that we all know if we really think about is that as we try to suppress those hardships, that sin, that sickness, that strife, as we try to suppress it and not talk about it and not remember it, at some point it all comes up. Right, as you try to push it down and push it down and push it down, at some point it comes up and it doesn't come up gently. It comes up as an explosion in your life. And that could happen next year, but we wanna, we wanna intentionally reflection with direction. We wanna intentionally reflect on each one of those things and raise each one of those up to the surf, surface. And think about that sin. Why did I keep going back to that this year? Why did I keep going back to that conflict? Why is that pride still there? Let's, let's talk about that. Let's get with Christian community. Let's get with God's word and intentionally reflect on those hardships, on that sin, on that sickness, on that strife. Let's raise it to the surface in a healthy way so we can actually deal. And so that's what we're going to do in a few moments right now. I want you to right now take a few minutes, quiet your soul, pray Jot down notes. Another thing that you got when you walked in is a bulletin in the middle. If you open it up, it has a place for notes. Uh, we gave you a pen as well, so there's no excuses, right? We want you to write down and participate in this. Uh, and just take a few moments to write down some of the pain that you've experienced over the last year, some of the things you don't want to talk about, and just write those down. You don't even have to do this with your spouse, all right? I'll set you free from that. You, you can just do it right where you are. And write some of those things down and pray and think back. It could be thinking back to your previous life before Jesus and some of the sin that you were enslaved to. It could just be thinking about some of the hardships and conflict. And just write some of those things down. Maybe some things you've never even spoken out loud. Just write those things down. Take a few minutes to do that, and then we'll transition to the next point.
All right, well, as you took a few moments to do that, I imagine there's more that you can do. This is meant to start a process, uh, not complete it. So start this and and do it later when you get home, uh, later this week. And so as we move to the next point, we're going to remember God's deliverance. You see this as well pop up all over Deuteronomy. One specific place is chapter 5, verse 15. It says this. It says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, what we just remembered. And, so there's an and there, a glorious and, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand, what we sang about earlier, God's mighty hand upon us and an outstretched arm. And so God, God calls them to remember their deliverance. Yes, they were a slave. Yes, things were hard. Yes, things were difficult. Yes, there were things they couldn't get out of. But God also delivered you from that. And we need to remember that too. Amen? It would be really depressing if we just stopped at the first point and just remembered all the things that Tim made us write out. And we never looked at God's delivering you from that. He has delivered you through that in the cross of Christ for us specifically. And so we want to remember, how has God brought us from those places? How does God want to bring us from those places with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm? How has God changed us? What chains have been broken in your life? Uh, What chains have been broken of sin that you were enslaved to that God is beginning to release you from? What areas of your life have you received freedom, forgiveness, and fullness? Uh, What ways in your life and some of those hardships is God redeeming those hardships by teaching you something, by shaping you in ways that if you didn't have those hardships, you wouldn't know what God is teaching you in those same ways? And so I want you to think about for a few moments how has God delivering, delivered you? How is he delivering you now? From some of those sins, sickness, strife, hardships that you've experienced, how has God delivered you? How is he delivering you now with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm? Take a few minutes to write those things down as well.
All right, now we're going to go to the third and final point to remember is, is that uh, to remember where God has led you. Remember where God is, is leading you now. What, what opportunities are before you as God has brought the Israelites through the, uh, out of Egypt, rather, through this long, difficult journey as he's delivered them. They have some opportunities before them in the promised land. God has led them. He's provided for them. He's fed them. He's protected them. And so where has God led you? Practically in your life, where has God led you with your spouse, with your friends, with your kids? What opportunities are before you now that if you really thought about it and you reflected and you think, man, God has put some opportunities before me at work, at home, to love, to serve, to, to grow, and God has put those opportunities before you. He's led you there. What are those places? What are those opportunities? We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Some of these things are the way God's disciplining us, the way God's teaching us out of his love for us. It says, uh, verse 5 of chapter 8, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord God disciplines you. Verses 11 through 18, we see things like God led them through the wilderness. They, he fed them. He protected them. He multiplied them. And so God disciplines us. He corrects us. God also gives us opportunities and provision in our lives. What is that for you? Where has God led you as you approach 2018? What opportunities are before you? What can you say? God, you've, you've disciplined me in this way. I'm learning these things about myself, about my relationships. What opportunities has he brought you to in your job and your finances and your spiritual life and in mission with our church, ways to lead, give, serve? What opportunities has he placed before you? Let's, let's take a few moments to think about that. I think one thing just to help you um, is I think about my life and some of the things my wife and I have already talked about going into this year. I've, I've, I've been able to get around some other leaders uh, over this last year, guys who have planted churches and led churches, and that's, and that's what I do. It's, it's going to be different for you, but I've got to be around some other leaders, and what I see over and over in these leaders who are a little bit ahead of me is they have a faith that God will come through. They have faith, not fear. And, and it doesn't happen when something comes to fruition. It happens in the lead up, in the build up. And they believe, God, you're, you're building your church. That's a promise to us. You're building your church. You are moving in the lives of people. And so we're gonna trust you. We're gonna trust you for the money that needs to come in. We're gonna trust you for the lives that need to be changed, for the equipping that we all need. And we're going to trust you. And so my wife and I have been talking about that. How can we live with faith, not fear? And not that we don't live with faith at certain times of the year, but, but how can we live with a boldness that sees ahead of time and that trusts in every situation in our lives personally, for our kids, all the things we could just sit and fret and worry about? What if we didn't do that? What if instead we had a bold faith, a confidence that, God, you are in control, you are moving in the lives of people, in our lives, you are going to bring this about, even if you don't, you have something better or different that you're going to teach us and walk us through, and we want to have a faith like that. I, I personally don't want for you as your life, your family's life, for our church, for myself, I don't want us to live as frantic, fearful people. And God has led me to that point through some other people, through wise counsel, through seeing that in their lives. I want to see that in my life. I want to have a faith-filled confidence in God, in my relationships, in our church, in my own personal life, that he will come through and not wait till he does to live like that. And so that's just one thing for me. That's where God has led me, and I want to see that come to fruition in the new year. 
Think about what that is for you. What opportunities, where is God leading you? Where has he led you? Remember that now and let's uh, reflect on that together now. Maybe forgot about that. Maybe just a few moments. We could do way more than this, but just a few moments. God has brought some things to the surface. Some some things about when you were a slave. Some hardships. Some difficulties. Some sin in your life that need to be brought to the surface. Some ways God has delivered you from those things and is delivering you now. And some ways God has has led you to the places, the opportunities that you have as we approach the future. I'd love for you to continue to to practice reflection and renewal to use the handout we gave you at the beginning, to, to allow this be, to be a start of a process, not a completion of a process, to, to go into a new year and take time to reflect, to not just hike up another mountain and hike back down, to not just have 2017 to 2018 just be another, another year where you just say, okay, it's a new year and let's just see what happens. No, that you would have reflection with direction. You wouldn't reflect with the enemy. You wouldn't reflect with your flesh. You would reflect with Jesus, with Christian community, people coming around you to to set a direction for your life spiritually, personally, for your job, financially, all of those things, that 2018 wouldn't just be a better year because we flipped the calendar, (laughs) that it would be a better year, a more focused year, a more impactful year for us in and through and around us 
because of Jesus Christ helping us remember, reflect, and then look forward. Listen, some of you are still not convinced and you're thinking, ah, Tim, I don't know if I'm going to really do this and I've got a lot of things to do and, and get to in the new year. But if you just look at the life of Jesus, you see him doing this all the time, don't you? I mean, we could have looked at a lot of places in Scripture. We just looked at Deuteronomy. You look at the life of Jesus. How many times does Jesus get away? Does he quiet his soul? Does he reflect and pray? Listen, if Jesus, listen, if Jesus, the Son of God, needed to reflect, to navigate life, you do too. I do too. And so let's give our time to this. I think about a phrase in the military that slow is smooth and that smooth is fast. Have you ever heard that? You see, sometimes we think, no, I got a lot to do, Tim. I got to work on the sermon. I got to get the kids together. I got to do all these things in my, in my life and my job. I got to do all these planning things. We got to do action, right? I don't have time to go sit and reflect. Listen, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And you've learned this in your life. When you stop to reflect when, reflect, when you set a direction in your life, how much more productive are you? It's not laziness. It's not missing out on productivity. It helps those things. All the dreams, all the plans that you have, it starts with reflection. Like Jesus did this. We need this in our lives, in our church. I'm hopeful. I'm excited for 2018, not because of some pithy, trite statements that we're going to see on social media later today. I'm hopeful because of Jesus and him causing us to remember, lest you forget what God has done in your life, that he would cause us to remember, he would renew us in that, and we would move forward with confidence. Amen? All right, let's believe that together as we pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that this morning you have given us just a few moments to practice the art of remembering and reflection. God, I pray that we wouldn't miss that. We wouldn't so quickly get up the mountain and then go down the mountain. We would look around. We would stop, look around, look down, see with a clear eye view what you see. And God, I pray for these men and women. They would do that intentionally. That in the name of Jesus, there's going to be doubts that creep up. There's going to be difficulties that come in this new year, even today. And they're going to cause them to, to go off track and just get distracted. We've got to pray that instead they would stop and they would reflect. They would reflect in the power of your spirit with other brothers and sisters in Jesus in this room. And that you would make 2018 a, an amazing year, an impactful year in our lives not just because we say it's going to be, but because we take the time for you to sift through our lives and for us to remember, reflect, and be renewed as we look forward to all that you have for us this next year. Father, help us to do that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.